Good evening, Grace Church. Great to see everyone here tonight. And uh, welcome. We're so glad you're here. To our guest here tonight, welcome. We certainly appreciate you being here. And to everyone that's uh, watching tonight on live stream, Facebook Live, we welcome you uh, tonight as well. Tonight is going to be probably the most, uh, we're going to open this service tonight in probably the most exciting way than we ever have in our past on a Wednesday night, as far as I'm concerned. You'll remember we announced uh, several weeks ago that we um, prepared a room to my left, your right. Uh, so we just call it a baptistry changing room so people can change their clothes that we're going to be needing it. And uh, uh, since we have done that in just the past four or five weeks, we've already baptized four in the beautiful name of Jesus. Uh, six have prayed through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it makes me wonder if we shouldn't have done this project a whole lot sooner, right? Uh, I've certainly enjoyed and appreciated such a wonderful, wonderful outpouring of God's Spirit. And I'm thankful for that. And tonight we're going to open our service uh, with uh, Levi Meir being baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. And uh, he repented of his sin Sunday morning. He's ripe for the Holy Ghost, and he wants to be baptized tonight in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord some hand praise for that, shall we? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. They will be ready momentarily. <clears throat> I think we've had a, a malfunction. The baptism is going on right now. And uh, so um, I hear all of the disappointment. I don't know. Uh, we thought we had it worked out. So we apologize for that. But he is nonetheless baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. And we're thankful for that. Thank the Lord. Praise God. God has been good. I'm thankful for the blessing of the Lord. I'm thankful for the moving of His Spirit, the presence of God, the manifestation of His presence. Uh, just really appreciate all that the Lord has done and uh, has been certainly a tremendous part of our life, of our church, especially at the beginning of this year, particularly over the past few weeks. And uh, we're very, very thankful for that. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. I want to make a couple of announcements. And... Uh, I want to say this uh, as Levi's coming out of the baptistry and uh, getting ready to come back out into the sanctuary. I'm going to go ahead and launch into my presentation for tonight. And uh, as he comes back in, I'm going to stop in the middle of my presentation and present him his baptismal certificate. And when that's done, I will continue. So we're changing it all up on Wednesday night. Thank the Lord. Aren't you glad you came? Praise the Lord, to be a part of such a great, great time in the Holy Ghost. And I'm thankful for what the presence of the Lord is going to do here tonight. A couple of announcements. Uh, everybody remember, uh, actually, this coming Sunday, May 7th, um, graduates will be honored in the 11 a.m. service. So uh, remember that announcement. And then on Sunday, May the 14th, is our Mother's Memorial Offering Deadline. 
uh, all of our ladies especially, uh, we have a long list of ladies that participate in Mother's Memorial giving every year, and it's wonderful. And I don't anticipate that uh, this coming Sunday will be an exception to that. So remember that, uh, excuse me, May the 14th will be uh, an exception to that. So remember that, and uh, we'll look forward to what God has in store, and everybody say amen. There's one more thing I want to mention before we uh, launch into the Word of God tonight, and that is um, several people have asked about the uh, campground pledges. Um, we're going to do that here at Grace Church, of course. Um, we promised we would and we will. Um, I suppose I'm waiting for a little more directive from the district perhaps, and um, but I'll make a few phone calls and find out about that. So be prepared. We've not forgotten it. Uh, we'll, we, we will be moving forward with that as soon as possible. I do know that uh, during camp meeting, they're going to make another huge push uh, for pledges and what have you. But uh, I'll find out. Uh, I know there are some folks uh, part of Grace Church that are kind of sitting on go that said, if we're going to do this, let's get going with it. And uh, so um, be prepared for that. And I'll listen up for an announcement about that. We'll do our best to give you as much notice as possible. Uh, I will give you an idea of what we're going to be shooting for. Um, Grace Church, we just stepped out in faith and uh, pledged $1,000 a month uh, from Grace Church in hopes that you will give that much. And, um, but e either way, uh, we've committed to that, to that pledge. Um, the district is asking people, I think it's seven or eight dollars a month, it's two trips to McDonald's, well, actually one trip now anymore, um, but to, to just give that much money a month, if everybody in the, in all the United Pentecostal churches across the state would do that, if everybody would do it, then that, that budget would be raised very quickly. And uh, we're gonna ask that everybody consider, uh, everybody at Grace Church consider giving at least $10 a month as a minimum and of course, if you would like to do more than that, uh, God would certainly bless you accordingly. So that's the direction we'll be headed with it, but we will give you a launch date for that as soon as we can get a little more information from the districts and so on, and we'll be finding that out. Hopefully we'll have an answer in the next couple of weeks, even before camp meeting began. So please be patient with us, and uh, we'll get that rolling uh, just as soon as we possibly can. Thank the Lord. <clears throat> I don't know what you will call what I'm planning to present here tonight, if you want to call it a sermon, a Bible study, and as the old term goes, if you combine preaching and teaching, they call it treaching, and uh, we may be doing that. But I've, I've brought to you a couple of presentations, particularly on a Wednesday night, it feels like, and the manifestation of it is here, that that our church is in such a, a revival mode. There's such an excitement. There's uh, just a lot of anticipation. As we just announced, people are praying through the Holy Ghost and, and people are being baptized and, and the baptism, baptizing people, that's not over with yet. That's not done yet. And uh, we're gonna continue. And uh, I just felt it was timely um, to present the material that I want to present to us tonight and just because we are feeling 
enjoying, if you will, appreciating just such a wonderful move of God. Um, that doesn't mean I want to let off the gas pedal. It doesn't mean that I want to be less in my relationship with God. It doesn't mean that I want to be less committed. It encourages me to pursue on even more. And everybody say amen. Thank the Lord. I want to read a very familiar reading. Uh, most of you can probably quote it. Um, you'll understand by and by, just shortly by and by, but, but there's something coming from it. Acts chapter 2. The Bible said when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Anybody recognize that, that, that reading? When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Thank the Lord. I want to speak to you tonight. I want to title this in the form of a question. What makes us Pentecostal? What makes us Pentecostal? There are people that come to Grace Church because we are Pentecostal. Most believe it and live it, and then there's others that choose not to, but they are just as welcome. <clears throat> but over the past number of years, and, and none of this will be surprising to any of us here tonight if you uh, choose to read up and keep track of these kind of things, but I have discovered that there are some things that are troubling, and uh, now that I can say, I, not that I say that I can agree with them, but it, it gives you a general feel of the, uh, as to the landscape of Christianity in America. <clears throat> I recently read that Jack Graham, who is of uh, Presbyterian persuasion, made a statement a number of years ago about the evangelical movement. He said, our churches are being choked on worldliness and, our, and its pews are filled with unsaved people. Uh, that doesn't mean brand new people that are flooding into the church house. It's people that are there, uh, you understand. As for this specific group, uh, I began to read some very vocal voices about some of the following things. For example, drinking in moderation is an acceptable practice, and their ministers ought not to preach against it. Uh, some of these different denominations have written and those who opposed said that uh, drinking was a sin. Those that, who were opposed to this and said that drinking was a sin were shouted down as being bound by legalism and nothing more than rule-minding Pharisees. Um, there's been a trend through the years of scoffing and making fun of old-fashioned worship that was expressive and emotional. Uh, there's been derogatory comments about old-time holiness preaching that call people to live clean, godly, and separated lives. This was specifically related to the way men and women should dress, although one person said that the people who were willing to make a commitment saw God do some incredible things. Uh, another person called this kind of preaching junk preaching. One pastor began to assert that baptism was not necessary for salvation. I've had this conversation with some of our own 
uh, formerly United Pentecostal Church preachers uh, that wanted to take water baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost out of the equation of what they believed to be necessary doctrine required to be born again. Surprisingly, many people spoke up in favor of a traditional altar call for people to come and pray at the end of the preaching. Uh, we're still in favor of that here at Grace Church. As a matter of fact, someone recently started attending Grace Church said they really love the fact that we do have altar service every single Sunday at the end of preaching. The things that I've read through the years goes on to say that there was a lot of debate about tongues and whether or not they were necessary to be Pentecostal. In fact, one of the pastors said a statistic for that particular organization and another similar organization only had about 6% of that organization that believed in and participated in speaking in tongues. There was a notable decline in young men going into the ministry in this particular denomination, I won't call the name of it, and was marked by a graying, meaning the color of the hair, because younger people were quitting the church. As I read all of this, I wondered if our church, if our organization, would ever get to the point where that happened to us. So I pose the question again tonight. It's my title. What makes us Pentecostal? So this is a good place to stop right here and present Levi uh, with his certificate. Did they come back in? There he is. Come on up here, bud. We are so glad that you were baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus tonight. This is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. This is amazing. This is a handsome little guy. But not only is he handsome, he is a sweet, sweet boy. He is a very sweet boy, very kind, very sensitive, very sensitive. And he felt the presence of the Lord Sunday morning and was very quick to act upon it and wanting to be baptized as soon as possible. And I'm glad we could make this happen uh, here tonight. So, Levi, we have this certificate and we give it to everybody who's been baptized. And see, it has your name on it, that you were baptized in Jesus' name on Wednesday, May the 3rd. 2023 at Grace Church. So you can keep that and you will never ever forget about what happened tonight. Is that pretty cool? Awesome. Just wonderful. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I've, I've actually heard people say, and uh, perhaps I've even been guilty of it through the years, that we baptize four adults and five kids and that kind of thing as though there is a difference. I say we just baptize people. And it doesn't matter how old or young they are. It's still important and it's important to Jesus. And I have a feeling that heaven is rejoicing tonight over what happened here just a few minutes ago. Let's give the Lord some appreciation again. <laughs> so what makes us Pentecostal? Brother David Bernard and, and Robin Johnston wrote a book a number of years ago entitled On Being Pentecostal and the things that have set us apart for years as a Pentecostal movement. The first point I want to make in reference to what makes us Pentecostal may seem a little unusual and it may not be what you are expecting to be the first point. But if this is not the first point, then we will struggle with the rest of this presentation. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, very familiar verse, the Bible said, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. There's something about being a Pentecostal where you have the thinking and the confidence that God is presently active in your life 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Jesus promised his disciples, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And that promise applies to everyone that follows after Jesus. Amen. So we have that confidence that God is presently active in our life. I wanted to tell everyone here tonight, doesn't matter who you are, what your relationship with God is about, what it is or what it isn't, you can hear, you can hear the Word of God, respond to the Word of God, and call out to Jesus, and He will hear you instantly, immediately, and respond to your request in one way or another. The beauty of being a Pentecostal. Hallelujah. We believe that God is literally next to you, and all you have to do is reach out to Him. I'm thankful throughout my entire life listening to the preaching of the Word of God even before ministry. This was a theme that I heard all the time, virtually every time I went to church. Jesus is here right now. The old song says, Jesus is here right now. Reach out and touch Him. I've heard it preached all of my life that you can call on God anywhere, anytime, and He will be right there. He is forever close to every one of us. Everybody say amen. Thank the Lord. The Apostle Paul made a reference to that very thing when he was addressing the scoffers at Mars Hill in Athens. In Acts 17, 27, he said, they should, seek, uh, they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. He said that all that a man had to do was just reach out for the Lord and he would respond to that man in his need. We were all born into sin and therefore we were all called sinners. But there is a God who can intervene to the sinner's cry anywhere, anytime, it doesn't matter. Praise the Lord. I thank God I'm Pentecostal tonight. Thank the Lord. And because God is present among us, Pentecostals believe in miracles. Oh, yes, we do. The Bible is full of miracles. It's full of examples where the miraculous took place. For example, Jesus turning water to wine, blind eyes open, lame walking, 5,000 fed with five loaves of bread and two fish. Throughout the book of Acts, miracles took place specifically when we look to the Bible, which is always the blueprint for God's direction. There are at least four elements that, are, that contribute to miracles and is virtually present in every miracle. Number one, there is faith. We are called to believe that God can indeed work in desperate needs, in desperate times, in desperate situations. The second factor is the name of Jesus. The apostles consistently invoked the name of Jesus when they were expecting a miracle. To pray or baptize in the name of Jesus is to recognize his authority. This third thing to do with a miracle is the laying on of hands. God often mediates his power through humans. 
We heard this this past Sunday morning when Brother Greg preached to us about the connect point. That is why we anoint with oil and lay hands on the sick. The fourth element that's included in every miracle is the atonement. This means that work that was accomplished at Calvary. Isaiah 53, 5 states that by his stripes we are healed. And I still believe tonight there's still power in the blood of Jesus for salvation and for healing. The modern-day Pentecostal movement was birthed in an atmosphere of miracles. This is why a lot of people came very early on in the Pentecostal movement because of some need of healing or miracle needed in their life. I mentioned it last night at prayer. I'll mention it again tonight. Uh, when Sister Dara Love texted me Sunday morning to let's pray for her dad, uh, I'll try to make a very... Lengthy story short as far as all the sequence of events. But bottom line, in the wee hours of Sunday morning, uh, they thought his life was, it was just a matter of time until he made his ascent heavenward. And uh, uh, so she texted Sunday morning and asked that we would have prayer. I believe she said there was at least two of the hospice nurses in their home they had on their, their TV screen in his room, TV screen in the living room, on our live stream. And uh, we started praying. We prayed Sunday morning. Most of you remember that. She said almost instantly, he opened his eyes, was coherent, recognized their kids, has dementia and so on, recognized their family, ate a meal, sat up in a chair, and it happened virtually instantaneous. We're still living in a time of the miraculous, and God is still doing the miraculous. Another thing that makes us Pentecostal is our absolute confidence in the Word of God. We believe that we are led by the Spirit. We believe in the Spirit. But we are no more full of the Spirit than we are of the Word of God. I don't know if you caught what I just said. I believe in being full of the Holy Ghost. But I also believe in having a foundation and a knowledge of the Word of God where one don't get the best of the other, one don't outdo the other, but there's a balance of Word and Spirit and God works through all of it to make the miraculous happen, to make the baptism of the Holy Ghost happen. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God and that it is inspired by God Himself. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, All Scripture, all of it, not what we want to pick and choose sometimes. But all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We believe that the Bible is authoritative. It imparts saving knowledge. It teaches us. It rebukes us. It corrects us. It trains us. And it equips us. There are no words higher than what is found in this holy book that we call the Bible. Hallelujah. I submit to you tonight that we also believe that the Bible is true. That, there, that, that means I believe it is infallible, has no error, and I have to respond to the Word of God no matter what conditions it mandates for my life. The power of the Word of God. Another thing that makes us Pentecostals is our belief in the mighty God in Christ. God is absolutely and indivisibly one. Everybody say one. 
Does anybody know what Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 says? Hear, O Israel. Isaiah 44, 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And verse 8, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, and have I decreed it, or declared it? You are even my witness. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no other. I know not any. And in verse 24, thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretch forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Isaiah 45, verse 21, tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have I not the Lord? Am I, have I not... Uh, excuse me, have not I the Lord, and there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Look unto me, and you shall be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that thou every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear, Isaiah said. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, Galatians 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 20. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. James 2, 19 said, Thou believest there is one God, you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. As Pentecostals, we believe that Jesus Christ was God walking among men. Colossians 2, 9, all of our quizzers can quote it. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. Bodily. In 2 Corinthians 5, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us a word of reconciliation. 1 Timothy 3.16, for without controversy great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. We believe in one God, and we believe that that God was manifest in the flesh. And it goes on and on Amen. and on. Another thing that makes us Pentecostal is our understanding of the transformation of life that comes with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I submit to everybody in this room tonight, if the Holy Ghost doesn't change you in some way or another, you didn't receive the same Holy Ghost I did. The beauty of being a Pentecost. You know what? I'm glad I thank God tonight. I can rear back in a church and just preach the word of God and don't have to be afraid and worry about people being offended and getting their feelings hurt and being voted out as a pastor. I thank God we're Pentecostal. And God help us to stay that way. Amen. I'm going to preach here in a minute. Praise the Lord. Anybody feel the presence of the Lord here tonight? There's not a man, a woman, that's ever walked on this planet outside of Jesus Christ that was not born a sinner. The Bible says clearly 
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everyone needs a Savior. And the holiness of God demands that He separate from sinful humanity. The transformation of life takes place when we respond to the grace of God. Paul said, For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. Faith is more than just a mental assent that says, I believe there's a God. Faith involves trust and commitment and application. Everybody say application. Faith means that there are acts of obedience that take place along with that faith. Faith leads us to repentance, which is a turning away from our sin. Water baptism in the name of Jesus by immersion. And the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking another tongue. I thank God I'm a Pentecostal tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. While we're on this subject, I just got a text from the production booth that they got Levi's baptism on video and can play it. Is that what I understand? Uh, this is a good place to play that. Man, we're shaking it up here tonight. This is a good point to stop right here. Baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus. Let's watch Levi get baptized in Jesus' name. There he goes. And then we're going to baptize you, okay? I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I'm so thankful for what you're doing in Levi's life. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought him to this place of baptism and repentance, Lord. And I know very soon you're going to fill him with the Holy Ghost. I pray you keep your hand on his life, oh God. I pray you'd order every step of, uh, in your word. I pray you would use him for a holy purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, bud, if you will take your nose, uh, grab your nose with one hand. Put your other hand right here. We're going to go down and come right back up, okay? Levi, on profession of your faith, in accordance with the Lord's command, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all of your sins. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I thank God tonight for the wonderful, forgiving power of God that washes away everything in water baptism. Thank the Lord. Another thing that makes us Pentecostal, this is the most unusual service I think I've ever been in in my life. But I'm good with it. I hope you're glad you came. If you were expecting just a run-of-the-mill Wednesday night, I'm sorry to disappoint you. We're Pentecostal, and it's okay to have church on Wednesday night. Hallelujah. Another thing that makes us Pentecostals are the lifestyle changes that we refer to as holiness. Holiness involves something called Christian disciplines. Prayer is a part of holiness. Bible reading and Bible study is a part of it. Faithful church attendance is a part of it. Giving of tithe and offering is a part of it. Fasting is a part of it. There are calls to holiness in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12 the writer said, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. 
Peter said in his epistle, in his epistle, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or conduct, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Some ask the question as to what holiness is. It can be defined by two parameters. Number one, it is separation from sin and the world's values. Number two, it is dedication to God and to the will of God. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you, and I'll be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. All of these things, all of these things affect our attitude, our thoughts, our tongue our appearance, our stewardship of our body, the sanctity of marriage, the sanctity of human life, honesty, godly fellowship. It even impacts worldly activities, and the list goes on and on. The church has to respond. The church must respond and make a determination that it will not be soiled with the evil of the world we're living in. And we believe here at Grace Church, and so does the United Pentecostal Church International. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit being in operation in our churches. We often go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 as a description of the gift, and rightfully so, but there's two other lesser recognized passages that indicate spiritual gifts that assist the church in its operation. One is in Romans chapter 12, the other is in Ephesians chapter 4. Romans 12 describes abilities, talents, and functions that help the church. Ephesians 4 describes the leadership roles that help a church. But when we go to 1 Corinthians 12, there are at least nine parts of the spiritual gift, uh, spiritual gift, supernatural, nine supernatural or miraculous gifts that result from the direct operation of the Spirit of God. It's the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, uh, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. The early apostolic church was characterized by signs and wonders, and these things still need to be in existence and in operation in the church today. And while they may have been abused in times past, we cannot relegate them to the sidelines of the modern-day church. I want God to know here at Grace Church, the gifts of the Spirit in operation are always welcome anytime on any occasion. Another great thing that marks us as Pentecostals, and I'm so thankful to the United Pentecostal Church especially for this, and there's other organizations that do it as well, but I am so thankful that one great thing that marks us as Pentecostals is a desire to evangelize our world. We're not selfish with the gospel. There are men and women that leave everything behind to go start a church somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, America, or middle of nowhere the world. 
And sometimes some of us ponder how in the world did you end up where you are. All they can say is God called me to do that. I'm looking at Tom Laidlaw, and I've heard many stories sitting at our kitchen table, at his kitchen table, at a restaurant table, and other places of the tremendous sacrifice that his parents made to go pioneer a church, the struggles, the hardship, the heartache. But what very few people know is a man walked into their church one Sunday morning, and nobody knew it, but he had tremendous, a tremendous number of oil wells and what have you. And when he passed, he gave every bit of that to Brother Tom's dad. Brother Tom's dad immediately gave it over to the United Pentecostal Church. And that money for years, or that, that oil, all that oil producing uh, wells and whatnot, other things involved in it, for years has supported and helped evangelize, fund and evangelize our world, uh, fund our missionaries across the world. Across the world, untold millions of dollars came by one man because a couple left everything behind and refused to be anything but Pentecostal in their message, in their lifestyle, in their commitment. And God used them as a conduit to impact the entire world by what one man had to give. We're not selfish with the gospel. Neither do we discriminate the gospel. I think that is the most horrible thing that any church can do. And I, if I'm offensive to anybody, I don't apologize. But when you only want to select a particular race of people and say, I'm going to only preach to them, and if anybody else from another race comes, they just have to go to a church of their own race, that's the biggest bunch of hogwash. This is the whole gospel to the whole entire world. And who are we to pick who gets to hear it, who gets to be impacted by it, who gets to be infected by it, whose life gets to be changed by it. I say when somebody walks in the door of Grace Church, we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to let it fly and let God do the work in everybody's heart and everybody's life. I'm still clinging to the thought of teaching a Hispanic man that I've, I've recently met a Bible study. I'm still hoping that'll happen. And I keep trying to create things to have him come out to my house to talk different things and whatnot. Trying to get my foot in the door because I want to share the gospel with him. Who knows where it could go. He's from the country of Guatemala. I know we have a great work there. Missionaries are working hard and so on. But, but he's, his family is there. He has relatives there. He sends him money every month, he said. I want him to start sending the gospel back to him. Praise the Lord. But we've got to be, we, we've got to be open-hearted, open-minded with the gospel. It's not just for us, it's for the entire world. And we do that here at Grace Church. And finally tonight, and this is probably one of the most attractive things about being Pentecostal. The whole world knows it. If anybody knows anything about Pentecostal, they're going to know this. And it's the way we worship. Nobody, I, I, I'm not saying this from an ego point. I, I'm not coming across arrogant. I'm not saying that. I don't want us to change it. Amen. That's where I'm coming from. This is who we are. This is our identity. People recognize us as Pentecostal. And when you say you're Pentecostal, people expect this is who you are. They don't expect some watered-down version of something, that, whatever. I want to be a Pentecostal tonight. I don't want to change it. 
I just want to make it better. I want to make it better. I don't want to compromise it. I just want to present it to more people, and I just want to keep on worshiping Jesus. Our worship is heartfelt. It's heartfelt singing. It's hand-clapping. It's hand-raising worship. It's anointed music. It's lively preaching. It's sincere praying. It's sacrificial, sacrificial giving. It's communion with God. It's all running. It's shouting. It's dancing. It's jumping. It's whatever you want to express yourself in the Holy Ghost. That's the great thing about being a Pentecostal tonight. Everybody stand and let's worship the Lord, shall we? Everybody stand and let's worship the Lord tonight. Would you clap your hands to Jesus? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Last night after prayer, Braylon Storms and I had a conversation. Really wasn't that much of a conversation. I just... Enjoyed listening to him talk because of what he was telling me. He said there's, he has a good friend at school. He said they've been friends for a long time. How old are you, Braylon? He said they've been friends a long time. I'll sidetrack here for a moment. I was sitting on the patio Monday with Joseph and uh, cutting up with him. To tell him how old Papa was and body just don't work anymore and just getting old and everything's hard to do. And he was feverishly playing a video game on his iPad and paused it just long enough to say, Papa, I understand. <laughs> My dude, you don't have a clue. You wait. Another 50 years you'll understand. Anyway, Braylon was telling me about this longtime friend probably three or four months if the truth is known but anyway, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt I'm just teasing but he said the, they had a conversation and uh, the, the young man asked him about the Holy Ghost and did he really believe that he had to be baptized and what have you I was so excited Braylon said I took out my phone and opened up my Bible and I led him and I read to him Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And then I turned over to John chapter 3, verse 5. And showed him you have to be born of water and spirit if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. And then I went to this scripture and I went to that scripture. My heart was exploding on the inside. That's what makes us Pentecostal. I'm not going to give an opinion. I'm not going to guess. I'm not going to say this is the way my mama did it. That's not how I approach it. Let's get out the Bible and see what the Bible says. This is why I enjoy being a Pentecostal. Praise God. Thank the Lord. So Grace Church, I don't want you to forget this presentation. And I may be reminding you of it here and there in the near future. When we show up on Sunday morning, there's one thing that's first and foremost when we walk in that door. Set your feelings aside. If you had a fight with your spouse on the way to church and had to pull over and spank the kids and promise them punishment for the rest of their life and all of that, when you walk in the door, set all of that aside and walk in this coming Sunday morning as a Pentecostal that believes that God is always with us. 
as close as a mention of his name and that we believe in the mighty God in Christ and that we believe in Acts 2.38, Braylon, and we believe in John chapter 3, verse 5, and all of that, we believe all of that. And then we finish the whole thing by saying as a Pentecostal, there's only one way I can enter into the sanctuary. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and I will enter into his courts with praise. Worship, worship is who we are. I'm asking the praise team and the musicians. We're not here to perform. We're here to worship an audience of one. His name is Jesus. The congregation should worship. We should all lift up our voice to the mighty God who is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, who was and is to come, the Lord Jesus. And I'm glad I know him tonight. Everybody clap your hands one more time to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Now, if I was at this point, by now in this message, and we had a lot of aisle running and people out the aisle shouting and dancing and all that, we'd probably call for musicians. But we defaulted just a little bit tonight on being Pentecostal. <laughs> We're not quite as Pentecostal on Wednesday as we are on Sunday. I did see a little jumping going on there a minute ago. We're getting close, but I can't go another 30 minutes to get any more than what I got going right now. So here we are. I appreciate all of you being here tonight. And is anybody here tonight happy you're a Pentecostal? I'm glad to be Pentecostal. I'm glad to be Pentecostal. Oh, glory. Thank you, Jesus. So just remember when you walk in the door Sunday, we're coming in as Pentecostals. I just snuck that in there right there. We're coming in as Pentecostals. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. Love on somebody. You're dismissed in Jesus' name, and we'll see you Sunday morning.